When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 176. I am here tonight with Ryan, but also with our favorite bald prospect <laughs> analyst, Tony Ferrari, who is with Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News. How are you doing tonight, Tony? I'm good. I'm happy to talk prospects and dive into some more options at Detroit's pick. You're on your uh, your yearly podcast slash video tour. <laughs> I just watched your Woodward Sports one today, and it was actually really good. Oh, thanks, man. I put on a tie for that one. and. I was like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna look nice because I know it's on video, and then uh, it's for the Red Wings, and then immediately they made fun of me for wearing a tie. So I felt great about <laughs> it right away. <laughs> I'll say, usually they look like me or Greg right I'm like, now. I'm, I'm just like, I'm never wearing a tie again. It's fine. One of them usually is in a tie. Somebody's in a tie most days, I think. I think it's Armani. Art is nor- when you when you get on any video with Art, he's wearing a polo, and <laughs> Danielle is wearing a T-shirt normally for Word on Woodward. So yeah. Uh, I did. You looked very spiffy, though. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> but tonight we have Tony on to talk about the draft. As we know, the Detroit Red Wings pick eighth overall this season. Um, but we kind of want to get a little news out of the way first. The Detroit Red Wings signed Elmer Soderblom to his three-year entry-level contract. Uh, Tony was a big proponent of the Elmer movement. It's going to be one of those guys. Lord Elmer to you. Yeah, Lord Elmer, the behemoth, shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> but... He's going to be one of those guys, I think, and we talked about it a little bit, that if he comes in and is a third-line winger, that's a huge win for the team. Because, I mean, literally and figuratively, a huge win for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's a guy that anybody that's really getting ahead of themselves and they're like, oh, this is a second-line player. Or maybe he's on the first line and he does some dynamic <laughs> stuff. And it's like, you're insane, first of all. I love you, but you're insane. But no, like this is a bottom six guy that's going to come in and do some fun stuff because he's six foot seven with incredible hands and moves like I do on the ice. So it's <laughs> going to be really fun to watch. But at the end of the day, like his ceiling is still fairly limited, but where, where he was drafted, like the wings are going to be laughing. Just the fact that he's even worth signing at this point. Yeah. And I think, and I'm going to give him a ton of credit because he has come a very far away from where he was drafted to even this last year, his development kind of just took off. And he really, when he was out there, it seems like he was in command of his game. Now, that being said, his game is not an elite level game, but what he can do, he does very well. So I think he'll be your kind of good third line role player. And in his role is going to be being really big. And he's we've seen him. He's got hands. He has a, a decent shot. He's got some good dangle. But like he's you said, he's got a deceiving slow. shot, I think is it, the more appropriate. Yeah. 
he's he's been okay up in tight, but he's kind of slow. I mean, in kind of meaning very because he's so big and it's not like his skating is bad. It's just that his skating is slow. Yeah. So I, I like I said, happy if he's a third liner. And that's I think what what you should expect is bottom six guy out of him. Um, but I do think he'll make the NHL roster. I don't think there's any doubt that he will. Just probably not this season. Yeah, he'll probably play in Grand Rapids this year, adjust to the speed of the game there. And maybe if there's an injury call up, they go, hey, you want to play a couple games at the end of the year, some March games or something like that. And just to get him acclimated to the NHL. So he goes, wow, that's like twice as fast as I am. (laughs) And then he can go in the summer and hopefully get a little bit more speed and and kind of come to the NHL the year after. Yeah, Dylan Larkin's a big proponent of that, uh, the Power Edge Pro. So they'll throw him right into the Power Edge Pro and see if he can get his feet moving a little faster. But the main focus on what we want to talk about tonight is the draft. So like I said, Red Wings pick eighth. This draft, I think, is kind of snuck up on us real quick because normally I'm more prepared like, uh, let's say today's the ninth. I'm more prepared like a month ago. <laughs> and I last year I did my cool cards and I really didn't have time to do that this year. And I might try and sneak them in under the radar here. But I had kind of nailed down some people that I think we can pick at number eight or that would be a good fit. I'm pretty sure I went all center. Um, because that's it's hard really not the, to, to be yeah. honest. I was talking to Mario and he's like, when the Red Wings pick eighth and they pick their center because they need a center <laughs> because they're going to pick a center, basically rehashed it three different ways. Like, could they go D? I mean, possibly, but you got to think, and at least in our bias eyes, that they need a center. They're going to pick a center and hopefully he's here sooner rather than later, but we'll see. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Like the only way I see a defenseman being worth it is is, is if David Yurichek falls, which I don't expect at all whatsoever. Yeah. Even with Simon Nemec, like I'm I'm like he's maybe there, but even if he is, I'm probably still drafting one of the centers that we're going to talk about today over him. Yeah, because I think the the problem comes you've got Cider who's going to command a lot of money here in a couple of years. You've got Edvinson where if he's as advertised, it's also going to command a lot of money. You have a Johansson and a Wallander. Uh, you've got, I mean, even a surprise guy who's, who's been doing fairly well for a gritty type defenseman and a Donovan Sabrango, you've got a really, really solid defensive pipeline in Detroit and you're really lacking on scorers and you're really lacking on center. And I think you're going to get to the point where if you just draft all these amazing defensemen, you're going to have to trade them uh, at some point. And I think we're set. I think this will be a very forward heavy draft for the team. Because it needs to be. I mean, I'm looking around our, our prospect pool at people who can put the puck in the net, and there's not a ton of them. I mean, our probably best youngest one right like youngest one right now is Carter Mazer. And if we're if we hit the lottery on Carter Mazer, maybe he becomes a Tyler Bertuzzi replacement when Tyler Bertuzzi ends up needing his hips replaced, like Brad Marchand. <laughs> so I'll say I, that, please. I think that that's probably where we're going there, but like, I think it's going to be centers. It's going to be scorers. I think there will be a couple defensemen taken. We always take a goalie. Um, but I want to go off the top with who I would really like to see, and I put him top on my list, is a Matthew Savoy. And Tony, you're going to let me know how good my scouting reports are because I am not a scout, and I watched some tape and took Ooh, these notes. I can't wait to rip you to shreds. <laughs> you are so, so much more prepared. I've got notes pulled up. I haven't even looked at video. That's how... See, this is where I hate softball right now because I have had no life. So I'm going to sit here, learn, and make fun quips this whole time and just kind of stare at Tony as he's talking and <laughs> doing his whimsical Who thing. Who doesn't <laughs> love staring at my ugly mug? I know. I think the last time I called it, I was just window licking the whole time you talked. So we're, we're going to repeat that here. <laughs> You're at least a little more prepared this time, Ryan. You have notes this time. So 
I have other people's notes, not my notes. <laughs> Matthew Savoy, five foot nine, hundred and seventy nine pound right shot in sixty five games played, thirty five goals, fifty five assists, for ninety points for the Winnipeg Ice in the WHL this season. I have, and this is from you on the Word on Woodward today. He can be a game breaker when he wants to be. That was your quote from uh, Word on Woodward. I have high end vision, insane speed, shifty movement, great hands with an accurate shot. Loves to pass. Wish he'd shoot more. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Uh, Matthew's always a fun, fun player to watch. He's one of the guys that I think it, he he's got a little bit of boomer bust. Anytime you're you have a five nine center, I think you have to think that you have some boomer bust there, but. Steve Eisman's drafted a small center before and he's helped Tampa Bay to two Stanley Cups and Braden Point. And yeah. well, I don't think Matthew Savoy is necessarily Braden Point. If you're getting a B plus version of that out of Matthew Savoy, I think you're pretty happy still because this guy does have speed. He does have pace. I know some people kind of are concerned about his skating and, and I, I don't quite get it, but it's like, yeah, he's quick. He's, he's agile. His top speed maybe isn't necessarily at like breakneck speeds. He's not Dylan Larkin but he's certainly not being chased down from behind out there. So I don't have any concerns there. Like you said, I wish he'd shoot a little bit more. He doesn't really love to, to shoot unless he gets in, in tight. And honestly, that's kind of a good trait. And once you're in those high danger areas, that's where you want to shoot from. So I, I like his shot selection. I wish he'd take more shots, um, but he's, he's a playmaking center. I think he's a guy that drives play at a high level and loves to kind of just create out of nothing. It, it, it's incredible watching him slip by guys use some video game moves and stuff like that. He's a fun, fun player. If he works out, like he's the kind of guy that we've talked about many times when we're talking about, is Dylan Larkin a true number one? Can you win with Dylan Larkin? Well, when you have a guy like Matthew Savoy, that's your number two or, or your one B, I, I think that's kind of where you're, you're setting up with, for success with these two lines that you can really drive play with. Yeah. I think one of the things when I was looking through some of the like one guys that are mocked one through 10, I was looking and a lot of them are under six foot. And it seems to be a, a smaller first round or at least top half of the first round this year. And I think we've seen that that's okay. Like you've said with Braden Point, a smaller guy, Alex DeBrinkett, a smaller guy that can score goals and buckets. Look at the reemergence this season of Johnny Gaudreau, yep. a smaller guy that can fly up the ice and score. So I think if the skill, um, if the skill outweighs the size, you're more than okay. And especially with someone like Savoy, I, I, I said part of my, the thing I saw is he's pretty elusive. So if, if he sees someone coming, he's got good vision, he can get out of the way. He's not going to get stuck. I think one of the other things I saw was he probably needs to get a little better at his, at his board battles at getting in and getting out. Um, but I think it's a guy who can come in and the WHL, I don't, I look at points in the WHL and I go, okay, how much defense is played? Yeah. But it's, I think he's a guy who can come in he could be a one B for Dylan Larkin eventually. And he's going to, he's going to put up some points. So I think Matthew Savoy is pretty high on my list. Where he, where is he on your list? Where do you have him listed on my final board here? That'll be out next week uh, in full. It'll be the full glory will be there. He's number six on my list. So he's right, right in that range of where I'd, I'd like to take him for Detroit. He's probably him and a guy that I don't know if we're going to talk about Brad Lambert or probably my top two picks for, for the Detroit Red Wings, but I love what Savoy does. Like you said, sometimes he can get himself into trouble, especially in those board battles. But at the end of the day, he's a guy that skates himself into pressure and usually figures out a way out. Sometimes he doesn't. And WHL out of the three CHL leagues plays the best defense. If we're talking about the QMJHL, there's no defense. Yep. But the, the, the dub is a decent enough league defensively that when you look at a guy that's 5'9", I feel much more confident with a 5'9 guy coming out of the WHL than I do out of the, the, the O or the Q. Ryan, do you have any notes? <laughs> I mean, everything I've looked up on, it, it's 
what Detroit needs and a lot of things you just touched on. They need guys that can make things happen. We've got a couple, but it doesn't always happen out that as we've seen these games play out. I mean, when Larkin's on the ice, we're just praying that something's going to happen. Same with Burt and Raymond. But, of course, that was their top line for most of the season. When Raymond's got there, when Cider had the puck, we're like, okay, we know what he's probably going to do with it. But after you got past that, I mean, you could argue that Fabry would do something on occasion. Zadina, if he wouldn't get out of his own way, he they lacked he this type of playmaking potential. I mean, I granted, the expectation would be that at eight, that's what they're going to get. But I, this is a name that even with my lack of overall prospect knowledge that keeps popping up for what Detroit might be looking for and are needing. And it's, yes, he's 5'9", but we've seen the last couple of years, like we go back to Debrinket. I feel like that's where kind of the change started happening, where you're getting these smaller guys that have skill. They know how to avoid the hits, I guess you could, you could put it as, because of their hockey sense, because of the way they can move in tight. And if you get something like this, as long as he's making those plays, playing a 200-foot game, but he's also driving the offense, which is what Detroit severely needs, you can't go wrong. Tony, how far off do you think he is from NHL play? Uh, he's going to play in the WHL again next year. Uh, I think he probably needs half a season in the AHL at least. Mm-hmm. But I, I think realistically, he's one of the guys that, that you might have to wait a little bit longer than some of these other guys. Like, He's not going to be in the league as fast as Shane Wright or Yuri but when he gets to the league, I think he has a higher upside than those guys even. So at least offensively. Cool. So it's like a Lucas Raymond versus Alexi Lafreniere uh, yeah. kind of comparison. He was NHL ready, but we even said at the time, he probably doesn't have the highest ceiling. He's just the most ready. Yeah. So. I mean, for being 5'9", and I mean, elite prospect shows him at 180. If he's already at 180, that's yeah, he's, he's got boy. some stock to him. Like he's, there's some... For his size, that's a good that's a good weight from what I can tell. So maybe other than toning up that muscle and just getting keep getting stronger because you know he's going to have to be. I mean, I guess that's where you can keep your fingers crossed that he makes that jump sooner rather than later. But, yeah, like I've talked to him a couple times this year, and I talked to him in person at the top prospects game in Kitchener, and I was I was shocked because I'm five ten and a half, almost five eleven, and he wasn't much shorter than me, and he was stocky, like he's. A yeah. little bit more built than I was expecting. So it's like he's got that strength, especially in his lower body. So that's what you really need at, at that size. And if he's able to stay on his feet and not get pushed around, that's really what you need. So yeah. you're saying that he'd be a good person for the Dylan Larkin Hockey Butt fan club? Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. there we go. See, he's in. Sold. Draft him now. The next guy we want to talk about is Brad Lambert. Brad Lambert is six foot, 183 pounds, right shot. In 50 games played, he had four goals and seven assists for 11 points split between the JYP under 20 and pro at the uh, and the Lati Pelicans in Liga. I have that his numbers are super deceiving. He's one of the best skaters I've seen. Deceptive movements, high IQ and extremely technical. Uh, he can be could be easily knocked off and has weaker board play. Sometimes he misses opportunities by trying to do too much himself. But everything else I've seen from uh, Brad Lambert is his skating and what I saw, I actually watched a skating breakdown of him. There is almost no upper body movement when Brad Lambert skates and his strides are like his skating was described as perfect. He is the perfect skater and he has the super high IQ and, and technical skills to go with it. And like I said, the numbers, like we had talked about Lucas Raymond's numbers coming out of the SHL when he was drafted, were not great, but that's because of the situations his team put him in. So I think Brad Lambert could be another one of those situations. 
Yeah, I think the first thing you got to start with is the situation he was in. Like you said, you got to look at a guy like Brad Lambert with context, a little bit of nuance. And at the end of the day, I think you you watch Brad Lambert this year with Yippie Vescula. And on the junior team, he actually he was a, the best player on the ice every time. You watched him at the World Juniors, uh, albeit only two games. He was the best player on the ice every game, no matter who, who the Finns were playing. So he's a guy that can take over a game and be that dominant force. When you watch him with the men's team and, and, and with the Yippie team, it was a little concerning because that team didn't put him in his position to succeed at all. He'd play on the first line for one shift. He'd be on the fourth line. He'd be at the third line. And at the end of the night, he ends up with 11 minutes on four different lines. And you're like, how can this guy ever get comfortable? And then you, he go, moves over to the Pelicans after requesting a trade. And the Pelicans are a team that he kind of grew up with playing early on in his career and everything. So it's a little bit more comfortable for him. But that team tried the flying V one time I watched them. Like, it's just like, all right, guys, There's like, the Pelicans. Are, Come we, on. are we a pro team or what are we doing here? Cause like, you can't, let, you can't do that. And like, there's so many times, especially that second half of the season with, with Pelicans where he sent a perfect pass to the back door to be tapped in the goalie is nowhere to be seen. And the guy just lets it come off his stick. Like it's beer league. And, or there'd be a moment where he'd be streaking through the neutral zone going east west and opening himself up for a perfect pass and instead of passing it to him the defenseman would just bomb it behind him and let it go down to the ice and, and get it for an icing call there were so many moments where it's just his team let him down with that with that pelicans team specifically that you were like all right he's doing everything right like he's doing so many things and this is what i argued in, in lucas raymond's draft year as well when you watch the process that this guy goes through on every shift he's doing the thing you want him to do it doesn't help that he doesn't have anyone else on the ice with him. Other than at times, it felt like beer leakers. Like the guys on, especially the Pelicans. No defense, no offense to them. They're extremely supreme athletes compared to myself. But they're they're guys that aren't ever going to be at the NHL level. They're guys that aren't ever going to be able to kind of advance past this level. And even even at that level, they weren't on a good team. Like they they were a bad team for a reason. So putting all the pressure on Brad Lambert, he got more minutes there. He got more opportunity, but he also had less, less to work with. So I think this is a guy that is going to be an extremely, extremely good player at the NHL level. Like I, I think you look at him, if you, if he ends up on the wing, you end up with a William Nylander style player, maybe with a little bit more playmaking and a little bit less of a shot. But I mean, I don't think anyone's going to complain about that guy, especially because I do think Brad Lambert sticks at center. So he, he on my board, he's fourth right now. I, I, he's pretty high or fifth, sorry, on my board right now. He's really high. That's higher than almost anyone else. I think other than maybe Will Scouch has him, but this is a guy that you bank on those tools and he, you're going to get a grow player because five years from now, like we're going to be looking at this draft and going, wow, I can't believe he went 27th or 24th or something yeah. like that. You and Scouch both have him at five. Uh, yeah. The next highest is McKean's and Sportsnet at eight. McKean's, uh, the last few has been pretty accurate for that. So, I mean, I'd take him at eight. The only way that the flying V works is if the entire crowd chants win, win, win while yeah. they're going down the ice. And what you're telling me is a JYP coach is basically the league version of Jeff Blaschel, where he just oh, yeah. runs the lines oh, no. consistently. He um, loved it. Uh, Brad Lambert, for, for what it's worth, Brad Lambert's uncle is Lane Lambert. So there's also ties there between Steve Eiserman, Lane Lambert. Now Brad Lambert's like the, what's it, six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Uh, we're going to try and get that going. But I think. I think Brad Lambert into so size. I think the size works in his favor. Six foot, 183 pounds. So he's a taller guy. He kind of fits the size profile of a Steve Eiserman guy. But like you said, the technical stuff is there. And if you're doing everything right and your partners can't score, or the other people on your team can't score, that's not your problem. Mm -hmm. 
So I, I would I would be more than happy with Brad Lambert at that pick. Again, so center. with his situation over there in Europe, I mean, is this a guy that you could see he just signs his ELC early to make his way over here? Just because I know that there's that new agreement with Europe That's the and the NHL. Yeah. But I'm sorry. That's the SHL. He's in. Is Liga. it SHL specifically? Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. I thought that was more broad stroke. So nope. So basically, if the Wings were to pick him, their best case scenario is to sign him immediately to get him out of that shit show. Right? Yeah, that that'd be my first choice. I'd sign him right yeah. away, and I'd go. Do you want to go to the WHL where I think his rights are owned by Regina or Saskatoon? I can't remember. Uh, go to Regina. But at the same time, I'm looking at a guy like Brad Lambert, who's played pro hockey for the last at least parts of the last three years, and I'm like. The AHL looks like a great spot for you. You want to you want to play there? Play in Grand Rapids. You're nice and close. We can have our hands on development developmentally with you the whole time. Once a week, we can send a coach down to to or Sean Horkoff can be down there all the time with him and yep. doing doing that stuff. Uh, for me, Brad Lambert seems like the most per, the the perfect pick for Detroit if they're willing to take that swing because you have the situation where you can bring him over. You have the situation where you have the development staff. They've shown the ability to develop players with Detroit. And this is a guy that plays a high octane game that Detroit wants to play. So I, I think he'd be an awesome pick. You, you get him in into the AHL next year with Grand Rapids, and then you put him in the NHL the year after, and you're probably going to be looking at a guy that might compete for the rookie of the year again. Now, do you think there's any way they call up Rogla and say, Hey, we drafted this kid. Do you got any room on your roster? Like they kind of like Cider had to do. Yeah, I think that's a possibility, certainly, if he's more comfortable staying over in Europe for a year. But this is a guy that has had has played over here at, in, in some of his uh, t- uh, teenage, early teenage years or uh, late, late, like childhood years. So he's a guy that is comfortable being over in Canada, being over in the United States and being over here. So I think it, would, it wouldn't shock me if they, they do do something like that. But it probably depends on what his contract situation is. I think he has no contract after this year, though. So it's pretty wide open. That's what I was curious about. There was actually a contract in place. Because I would assume that since, I mean, just looking at the elite prospects, he's gone from JYP to Pelicans. So maybe that just, it was maybe a two-year deal. I guess that'd be probably the best case scenario in yeah. terms of his situation. Because, I mean, you think about where Grand Rapids was at last year and the year before. They're hurting for some skill, What, no matter the age. If you can bring in a guy, any of the guys that we're going to talk about, somebody like that right out the gate, especially if they're European and they're trying to make their way over sooner rather than later, it's, I I really don't think they can go wrong. I mean, it's going to be a hell of an adjustment, of course. Like we'll see how Soderblom does with guys trying to run him every shift, but I'm excited. I'm ready for Red Wings things other than just, you know, a a random signing out. I want a damn coach first of all, but Yeah. uh, yeah. Now, I th- now, I think to help Brad Lambert out, and I, I generally say I don't put a ton of stock into international play, but if you look at his production with the Pelicans where he had uh, four points in 25 games, mm-hmm. and then you look at his production at the under-20 World Juniors where he had five points in two games, I think that kind of shows you what he can do when he has quality teammates and is put in the correct situation. He can put up points. And I think Lucas Raymond did a similar thing. Lucas Raymond at the juniors put up points. And when he went back to Frolunda, he was getting nine minutes a night and didn't really have a chance to put up points. So I think that's, that's kind of Brad Lambert in a nutshell, surround him with talent. He's going to produce because he has the skills to do it. The next one I have on my list, Tony is Marco Casper. He is six foot, 187 pound left shot in 58 games played. He has 13 goals and 11 assists for 24 points between Rogla junior and pro majority in the pro. 
you had mentioned on word on Woodward that he is probably NHL ready now. Um, my notes say smooth skating and transitions with a rocket of a shot and decent edge work, but seems a bit heavy. When I see him do his turns, he just seems heavy. Uh, he has heads up vision, is confident with his hands and deking ability. And while calm under pressure, he can sometimes be knocked off the puck easily. That was my scouting report on Marco Casper. Well, I think you were very nice to Marco Casper. And I think all of those things are fairly accurate. The, the biggest problem I have from, with Marco Casper is maybe also his biggest asset. It's do you want an NHL player? Draft Marco Casper. Because this is a guy that I have no doubt he's going to be an NHL player. He'll be a first or second line center. Maybe he goes to the wing. I doubt it but because he does play a pretty decent two-way game and he, he fits in the middle of the ice. But there's no really upside to be that first line center. There's no really, uh, we talked earlier about Matthew Savoy or Brad Lambert being a guy that can kind of be that 1B or even push Dylan Larkin to be the 1A. Mark Casper's not going to do that. He's going to very securely be that second or third line guy. Ideally, he'd be a third line guy at the next level. But at the same time, he's a guy that I think could come over next year and probably be a decent enough player to play in the top nine. I think he's a guy that could reasonably play in the top top nine, middle six for the next 10, 15 years and be a reliable two-way player who can chip in offensively from time to time. But you're looking at a guy that I think probably tops out at 55, maybe 60 points where these other guys that we've talked about and a couple of the guys we're going to talk about next, they have the ability to score 70, 80 points at the NHL level. I think that's where you're really sacrificing things with. But at the same time, we talked about how Matthew Savoy is a risk. We talked about how Brad Lambert's a guy that maybe he doesn't ever really find that production and whatnot. Like that, those risks are all there. Marco Casper, you're pretty much guaranteed to get what you get and you're not worried about it. At the same time, like I said before, I, my philosophy at the draft, and I think Steve Eisenman has this too, after what we've seen him draft like the last few years with Detroit draft for the top six draft for the top four. If they don't make it like that, then their odds are they're going to be a bottom six player or they're going to be a bottom pairing player. And if they're not that, then they fall out of the lineup and stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to draft for those top end guys. You got to fill the top of your lineup with draft picks and fill out the bottom of the lineup with the, the guys from free agency and trades and, and, and waiver signings and stuff, because you don't get the high skill guys in a trade. Generally you don't. And, and when you do, you have to overpay. Same thing with free agency. Look how great Toronto situation is with John Tavares <laughs> right now. Like it, it, it breaks like, your heart. Yeah. It's like, great. Like we have John Tavares, but like also damn it. We have John Ferris <laughs> and you're in that situation now. So I think you, you got to go for it and draft those guys, develop them yourselves and, and build your team through the draft and then supplement your team outside of that. And I think that's the biggest thing with the, with a guy like Casper's. I, I love him. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I have him probably lower than most people at the, the back end of my first round. And he's a guy that's going to get drafted way higher than I would draft him. And I think that's the biggest problem. So is he the way we're kind of talking about him right now, where he kind of just jumps up out of nowhere almost would you say that because you said he's probably an NHL standard NHL guy? Do you think he's like comparable to Mason McTavish last year, where he was kind of going back and forth, and now he's kind of this is kind of where I'm seeing Casper, where some have him high, some have him more bottom of the first round, like you bias. said. Recency bias, Ryan. Yeah, I, I know, but that's. I, I, mean, I think I think what you're getting at there is like, is he a guy that teams look at and go, "That's a safe pick," and I think that's true. I think. With Mason McTavish, I think there's a little bit more offensively there than a guy like Marco Casper, but I do think Marco Casper is the guy that everyone's looking at right now in the top 10, top 15, and they're like, oh, like we're going to get an NHL player. So a team like the New York Islanders or something, like they, they look at a Marco Casper and they're like, that's our boy. We have a bunch of second liners, and that's how we <laughs> built our team. And, and I don't think Steve, Stevie builds a team like that. So I think he's probably gonna, might avoid it. If he does draft him, 
I'm going to trust it because every time you draft somebody, they end being way better than anyone expects. So if you have a team full of second liners and your entire team is second liners from top to bottom, you're the Minnesota wild. But Ugh, I mean, it's love it. <laughs> I think that I, and I looked at it and it's a lot of people are on the Casper train and I will put a lot of it into recency bias because he did have a good world junior championship. Yeah. He played great internationally. He's playing for a good team in Rogla. He has had six points in 13 playoff games in the SHL. But I mean, if you look at his numbers before then, I mean, nothing really jumps off the page at me. I mean, his Austrian junior numbers, but like that's in the EBJL, Tony. <laughs> How many people get drafted uh, right out of the EBJL? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never watched the EBJL. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, not many. So I, like you said, and what you said makes a lot of sense. And I think it's something I had never thought about is you draft for that super high end talent. You say this guy, I think has all, the entire tool set to be a first line center. And, and if he becomes a third line center, a second line center, so be it. But you don't draft a guy saying this guy has the entire tool set to be a middle six guy in like, your first round. My example is always, I go back to a Toronto draft where they took Tyler Biggs and at the draft, he was described as an elite third line center. And I'm like, great. <laughs> he's not making the lineup and he never did. So like, it's one of those things where I just, I can never justify drafting for the bottom of my lineup. Was that a first round pick for Toronto? Oh baby. Was it ever? What number was that? I want to say 21 or 24. Got drafted as an elite third line center oh, at 24. It just <laughs> made my life. <laughs> wonderful oh man all right so the next one is a name that i am sorry i i say it in my head consistently and i don't even think the wings have a chance of it happening but weirder things have happened i didn't when zadina was drafted i didn't think he was going to drop when raymond was drafted i didn't think he was going to drop Juraj slavkovsky oh. i think i said that perfectly the first time uh six foot four 218 pound left shot in 42 games played, 11 goals and 17 assists for 28 points between TPS Turku, U20, and Pro in Liga, including seven points in 18 playoff games. My notes are glowing. Um, a dangle machine with soft hands and huge stick range. A creative playmaker that uses his size to his advantage and is great at creating space and holding onto the puck. Great board battle skills due to his size and stability, but he's only an average skater with decent vision. That those were my two downsides was his skating's not great and his vision is only decent. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty spot on Saturn report. I think he is a really good playmaker. Sometimes his vision is a little bit off, but the one thing I will say about him is he comes off the boards and he's one of the rare players in this draft that has a plan once he gets off the boards. There's so many players, like I know we're going to talk about Cutter Gochi later, who comes off the boards and they don't know what to do next and they have to figure it out after that point. Slavkovsky already has a plan and he has a backup plan usually. And I think that's what makes him really valuable. I think this guy's goal scoring has been a little bit underrated this year. Even by myself early in the year, I was like, this guy's an elite playmaking winger. And I do think he ends up as a winger at the next level, but he showed at the Olympics where he had seven goals in seven games that he can be that, that guy that can be the catalyst as a goal scorer. So I think he's this dual threat winger. He got, like you said, he's got the ability to put his shoulder down, keep the stick out in, in outreach guys. He got so much battle on, on the boards and everything. If he's there for the Red Wings, he's the one winger that I'm like, yeah, you draft him over any centers that are available probably, but this guy probably won't be available. I, I do love him though. I think what I, I saw was when he comes off the board, his plan is constantly drive to the center of the ice, yeah, which is exactly what you need to do. And I saw one scouting report that says in the NHL level, he is going to do something that very few NHL players do. And that is create offense from the boards. Yeah. 
and it's a dying thing. It rarely happens because it's just hard to to do at this level. But they say he is a guy because of his size, because of his weight and his range, that he's going to be a guy that will be able to create offense from the board. No, I, I came across him first in the Olympics because obviously I wasn't really paying attention to prospects at that point. I kind of was, but if it wasn't Shane Wright, I really didn't know who was who. And the way, I mean, for one, he's huge, 6'4", 218. So in a way, he kind of reminds you of like a Johan Franzen, the way he just doesn't give a shit who you are. He's going <laughs> to go through you and he's going to the net and he wants to score a goal. But he, like you said, he made his presence known when he was on the ice and didn't matter who you were, how, how much more senior he, you were than him. He was going to go at you, but he was also, he just played the game hard and I was like, this would be a fun guy in Detroit. And now, of course, he has skyrocketed a majority of the charts because I, I feel like, I mean, Tony, you can correct me if I'm wrong. He wasn't as highly known or as highly praised at that point. Yeah. And the Olympics almost seemed like the jumping off point where he just cemented himself. Like he's playing with current former NHLers, I should say, top international competition. And he does not look uncomfortable because he did. Yeah. And I think the big thing with him was, I think everyone kind of went into the Olympics with him in that like eight to 10 range where he would have been an option for Detroit. And I think when he went there and he was able to score as many goals as he did, I think he had seven goals and no assists at that tournament, which is a fun stat line in and of itself. But everyone questioned his goal scoring and they were like, well, he's got the, the playmaking ability. He's got the really nice passing and the skill, skill to kind of put the puck on the guy's tape and find guys when he works off the boards and everything. And then he developed that goal scoring touch at the Olympics and everyone was like, oh, like that's there too. And then when he went back to the league after that, he, he brought that same attitude that he, we saw at the Olympics where he just didn't care who the hell you were. He'd just take you out if he had to and, and get to the net while, while you were hanging on to his skate, just trying <laughs> to keep up. And, and he took that to the Liga and he started playing even better there. And he started producing more there. I think towards the end of the year, he was uh, just over a half point a game, which was actually like twice as much as he was scoring before the Olympics. So it was almost like that Olympics gave him that confidence boost. And then the rest of the season, he just carried it with him and, like he's a guy that, like I said, I think he's number three on my board right now. I, I'll be shocked if he doesn't go number two or three at the draft. Um, but man, this kid, if he does end up with Detroit, I, I'll be laughing because put him on the opposite wing of Lucas Raymond and with, with Dylan Larkin and, oh, oh I'm wow. going to have things happen where I have to change my underwear way too and often. That's, that's the size that you need on that top line too. just a power. He is the definition of a power forward. Yeah, that is what he is. And I, that would I turn into. Some- so as that turns into our present day, I mean, this is a stretch, but that's Zetterberg and Franzen. Yeah. And, and it's, I watched somewhere, he literally left the boards with a defender holding on to him and he's still skating the center ice. And it's just the, the Olympics made him a man. That yeah. is apparently what happened. And I think he's as high as he's ranked number one by ISS hockey. Uh, wow. He is the number one ranked uh, European skater by central scouting. The lowest he is ranked is number six by Puck Authority and Recruit. He is ranked five by Bob McKenzie and Elite Prospect. So, um, yeah, that is, I mean, weirder things have happened. And I think this is another draft because of prospect viewing. I think this is the first one where people had so much time off and now they're back to like a full schedule. And they're shaking the rust off and they're getting out there and players that hadn't played in a season or had played in weird situations are back to trying to get back to normal. And I think maybe after Shane Wright, this one maybe goes a little sideways and it wouldn't be weird to me. Um, But I think it's a guy that maybe could 
it's possible. And I mean, I'm going kind of out there with, with this pick and, and maybe he slides. And if he does, I mean, you have to take him. It's the only situation where you don't take a center here and you take a center with your first, second round pick. Yeah. Like I said, if, uh, unless it's your check that falls, you don't take a defenseman unless it's Slikovsky that falls. You don't take a winger. I think the center is where Detroit goes, but either those two guys do fall and especially Slikovsky, I, I think you're going to be uh, watching Steve Eisman giggle as he walks up to the, the podium. Eisman's going to run. He's just going to run. He's not even say the Detroit right. So he's just be like, Slikovsky, that's what take. Come up here. Let's yeah, go. He's not going to thank anybody. He's going to be like, screw Montreal. Slikovsky, let's go. He's not even going to go up to the podium. He's going to go to him in the stands and just hand him the jersey. Yeah, just hug him. <laughs> It's like, thank you for being here still. <laughs> thank, yes, thank you for existing. We will Grant, take you. Grant McKay will have a meltdown in Montreal because he's been oh pumping him for number one, which, I mean, I think we all be fine if he started having a meltdown. So Grant has a meltdown once a week, Tony. It's That's nothing. very fair. It's That's very fair. <laughs> so for Slavkowski now, is he signed with TPS going into next season? It looks like he might be. Um, I I'm on EP and they show him at 22. He has a blank season for 21 22 with uh TPS. So I was just wondering, I mean, is this a guy mainly because of his size and because of what he already has? Is this a, a guy that you could see a one and done where he's finishing out whatever that contract is and making his way to North America, or could it be sooner? Well, the one thing I will say is a guy that usually has these contracts like he does for next year. I don't know this to be the case for sure, but usually they have an NHL out clause. So if he makes the NHL roster, he's not playing over in Finland again. Uh, And and this is one of the few guys in this, in this draft where I'm like, I'd put him in the NHL right away. And like, I'd even probably be more comfortable putting him in the NHL than Shane Wright. And I know Shane Wright's going to be in the NHL because that's what they do. As soon as they draft a good Canadian kid first overall, he's in the NHL, but I'd I'd be opting to put Shane right back in the OHL for one year. Slavkovsky, with the situation he's in, I'm probably going to look to put. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I'd put him in the NHL next year. Yeah, yeah he has know, the he's got the size to step right into the lineup and not be afraid to take a hit. We've seen it. We've already seen that. Yeah. He can take the hit or give the hit and play with guys that are men. Yep. And he's so. Yeah. Uh, the last guy on my list is feel good story for the Detroit Red Wings. And actually, I mean, not a stretch at number eight and Frank Nazar, uh, Frank Nazar, the third Frank Nazar, the third is five foot 10, 181 pounds. Okay. Frank Nazar is the one where the wings video said he was 280 pounds. And I said, mm-hmm. that would be really weird. Uh, he has a right shot in 80 games played. He has 43 goals, 62 assists for 105 points between the United States National Team Development Program and the USHL with nine points in six games in the World Juniors. My scouting report on Frank Nazar, he's an elite skater who is insanely fast, uh, great at finding open ice with an accurate patient shot, exceptional vision and IQ, which makes for excellent passing skills, needs to work on his puck battles and uh, his dead, what I call dead controller moments. Um, Other than that, his dad was a parking lot attendant at Joe Louis Arena. And that's really cool. Yeah, I know. Frank Nazar is probably my favorite player to watch in this entire draft class. And the one thing I will correct you about your scouting report is elite prospects list this, the USND TP kids really stupidly. I don't know why they do this. Um, the thir- the 35 points is already included in that 70 points above it. So it's 70 points over 56 games. They split it up so that they have like the USHL split there. So the, the, the USNTDP games, the 56, that's totally played this year outside of under 18 international play. The 35 points is just strictly when they play USHL teams. It's a that's, subset. 
and yes. they don't list oh. it as a subset. They list it as another line item. Exactly. It's like I said, they list the NTDB kids a little stupidly, but the, <laughs> so it's 70 points in 56 games total for the year, uh, 28 goals, 42 assists. But this guy plays with so much electricity, plays with so much pace. He has the dead controller moments. Like you said, there are moments where he's like fully turned off and he's just kind of coasting, waiting for the play to come to him. But when he's engaged in the defensive zone, which is most of the time, I'd argue, he doesn't necessarily always have the best positioning, but he's trying to pressure that puck carry. He's flying over to the boards. He's flying up to the top of the zone and trying to pressure defenders when they have the puck. Does he do the best best in board battles? No, not necessarily. He still needs to put on some strength and everything. But the efforts there, usually the, the engagement, the motor is all there. And then in the offensive zone, he's one of the most creative, um, controlled chaos players is how I've described him all year long. He's a guy that you go out there and he doesn't even know what he's going to do next, but he, you know he's going to do something special next. And I think he's going to college, which will be able to kind of rein some of that controlled chaos in and, and give him a little bit more control and kind of understanding He's like Savoy. He's probably a year or two away rather than being a guy that's necessarily ready next year or even ready at the start of the year after. But Frank Nazar is just an absolute beast of a fuck of a hockey player. Who's just all over the ice, creative, got a goal scoring touch, got the playmaking ability. There's nothing. I I look at his offensive game and I go, I want to take that out. I want to refine some things, but I don't want to take any of the creativity out of this game. Ryan, he was born in Mount Clemens. Um, I know that's in Michigan. I don't know where the hell it's at, though. It's about <laughs> five minutes from my house. Oh, okay. uh, but he, he is going to Michigan. He is going to U of M, so a program that will absolutely let him refine his skill, and he'll probably only be there for a year. But like, if, if you look at Matthew Savoy and you like Matthew Savoy's skating, now Matthew Savoy has incredible acceleration. Like He can blow past people, but he doesn't have that high, high top-end speed. Frank Nazar has the acceleration and the speed. Yep. And I think he is either as fast or faster than Dylan Larkin. Now he's a little smaller, which is probably why, but I mean, it's, it's insane in his vision. Like some of the passes I watched him make are reminiscent of, of Jonathan Bergeron style passes just yeah. sees the ice so well, sees the open areas so well he he makes space for himself because he sees the ice so well, makes space for himself. But the dead controller moments I saw is he, in front of the net, um, just gives, lets someone lift his stick and just spins around. Yeah. Or like you said, goes to the goes to the boards and doesn't win a battle and try, just coasts back. So I, mean, I think that uh, the highest he's ranked that I see right now is number four by Elite Prospects. Mm-hmm. And the lowest, Jesus Christ, Craig Button, 24. Yeah, yeah. I would, again, have zero problem taking him at eight. I wouldn't say he sounds like a prospect or a, um, a project, but he, he sounds like the type of guy, other than the fact that he's going to U of M, which we know that what they've pumped out the last several years. Elite like, hockey no, talent. No issues there. But he seems like a guy that if you put him out there training with Dylan Larkin, he will thrive. Yeah. yeah. Because the tennis skills are already there. You, you get that work ethic going. You got another U of M boy over there with, with Larkin. You bring him and see what Larkin's doing. That's going to, I mean, he already elevates players that he is around on the ice. You bring in this type of talent at center with that speed and what he can play making, you know that that's where you're taking that next step. At least to me, I mean, that's, that's the common sense thing or what should happen, but that's all you can hope for. And if that's the situation, if he's going to, if they draft him, he's in the backyard in Detroit, he's making his way down to LCA or whatever have you. Here's the great thing about the nil is that he can go do all these things and they're not going to get in trouble for it. So he can do these training up op- opportunities and whatnot. And 
that's that that almost is the best case scenario just because he stays close yeah but any of them i mean you're not losing in any which way because it's the pros i mean they've got the they add the resources they can do what they got to do but having someone that's you know 45 minutes down the road isn't too bad either now yeah, tony I, I know you talk to the a lot of these guys yeah. like you sit down and talk to them um and maybe you can judge something like this like we all know dylan larkin's passion for hockey and just his commitment to the game is is up there with like a Connor McDavid where he's a hockey robot and Dylan Larkin pretty much does hockey and that's it. Is Frank Nazar kind of like the Dylan Larkin in the terms of his passion for the game, how what his devotion to the sport is? Yeah, he really is. And that's what I was actually going to bring up before uh, when you we both started talking there is when I, when I talked to Frank Nazar earlier this year, I do make little interviews with them. I wa- go over game tape. And I don't know if there was a, another player that was ex- as excited to go over his own tape with me. And we were talking about plays and he like, he was right into it. Like you saw him get close to the screen and he was ready to go. And he's like, Oh man, I should have made this player. Oh, there was that there. I didn't see that open, but now that I'm watching it, I need to keep an eye out for that. And like, there was these little things that he was mentioning while we were talking that it was like, okay, this guy's fully engaged in what I'm doing, what we're doing right now. And, it, there's a lot of players that that did a really good job with going over tape this year, but Frank Nazar was probably my favorite interview from the year so far. And he was able to kind of just go into it and, and get into full hockey nerd mode and, and talk about what he saw, what he wanted to do on, on a given play, why he made a decision. And it was, there was very few players this year. It was probably him and Seamus Casey that really had that, that same ability to kind of diagnose their own play and be realistic about it. Be like, like I said, Hey, I should have made this player. Oh, that guy was open. I didn't see him. I got to keep an eye out for that next time I'm on the ice. And it, it was incredible. And there was a few moments. I think Frank Nazar was the person, the player I was interviewing, where we were interviewing as the tape was going on and over a Zoom and everything. Sometimes technology is a little weird and the the video co- didn't come up all the way and it was really slow. He goes, Oh, no, no, I remember this play. And I could see the video on my end. He couldn't see the video on his end. And he was describing it like stride for stride almost. So wow. this is a guy that I think he's going to put in the work. I have no uh, worries about whether or not he's going to actually try to develop and, and put in the work himself. It's going to be about whether how much work gets put in with him at Michigan, which as we know is a great program that's just continuously pumped out pros lately. And then in Detroit's video staff and their, their development staff, yeah. they, they have also got a, rec, uh, a re- reputation for it. So, Frank Nazar is similar to a guy like Brad Lambert, who has all these incredible tools. You want to see him put the toolbox together a little bit more, but man, like if you can get him in that with this team, with the passion that he showed, it's going to be pretty unreal. I think that's another thing that we've also seen Iserman draft for is just the, the hockey prototypical hockey guy, but one that's really engaged. Yeah. So he drafts for hockey IQ, but I think he also drafts for a player's ability to be coachable. And, and I think looking at Nazar, he's the definition of coachable. Yeah. You can show him what he did wrong. He has an interest in what he's done wrong. He has an interest in improving, in improving his game. So I, I think that's one thing that Iserman really likes to take into account is a player's passion for the game and, and how much they, they value their own development. And I think that's, that's one thing that he, he would definitely have an edge on. Now, before we move on to this next section, and it's actually going to take two of our questions. Uh, so from Ethan on Twitter at Aggressive Viper, why should Detroit draft Cutter Gauthier if he's available and why shouldn't they? And from Brandon uh, at BK62, reasons for why you would or wouldn't take Cutter Gauthier at eight. 
Um, if both he and Casper are gone before eight, who would be the best fit for Red Wings at center? I think we already covered that part, but Cutter Gauthier or Gauthier or whatever you want to call him um, has risen to prominence recently. He was recently had an article written about him, like five teams that could tell or like 16 teams that have interviewed him or something, which I is probably not super crazy. I mean, I figure teams interview a giant handful of people. So of course, if you're probably ranked as a first round pick, every team is probably going to interview you. So uh, what is your take on him, Tony? I, I feel bad every time someone brings up Pedagogy the last week or so. And I'm doing this, like you said, I'm on the rounds of doing all the, the podcasts and the videos and everything because I like Pedagogy. He's on my board. I think he's 16 or 17. He's a guy I think should be drafted in the top 20. Even if he gets drafted a few spots higher than where I have him, I'm not like upset or anything. If he goes in the top 10, this isn't going to be Tyler Boucher. I think he's a better player than Tyler Boucher was and less of a reach than Boucher was last year for the senators. But this rise that he's had recently, I don't know if he's an excellent interview. He wasn't a guy I talked to much this year, so I can't vouch for that, but the rise seems crazy to me. I think there, there's a, he's a safe player. He's got some of that Marco Casper to him that you, you kind of look at him. And you're like, all right, he's going to be a guy that plays. Is he on the second or third line? Like that's kind of where you're questioning it. Um, there's the whole th- uh, notion that he's going to be a center at the next level. I don't know. He played center a little bit this year, especially when uh, Logan Cooley went to the world juniors, but for the most part, he was a winger. I, I don't know if I would take him in the top 10 to be completely honest. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a guy that uh, I, like I said, I have him in the top 20. I don't think he's a bad player by any means. Th- this rise seems confusing to me. I don't exactly know where it is. It come from the combine, come from some of the interviews he's done. Um, I know there's, there's all the reports that Detroit interviewed him. Well, yeah, they probably interviewed almost everybody guys. Like exactly. that's, that's what happens in this, <laughs> in this process. So it, it, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes because th- is he the guy Ottawa takes? Is he a guy that the flyers look at and they go, that's a guy for us. And I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see because he, he's certainly a, a really interesting player, not a top 10 player in my books though. He's six foot three, 201 pounds. So there could be something there. He is tech. He was born in Sweden. So he is Swedish. <laughs> um, you speak of the flyers. They apparently also interviewed Jeff Blaschel for their head coaching position. So there's also that um, he has 65 points in 54 games for the USDP. Maybe it's his world junior performance where he had nine points in six games for team USA, but any war the a, so there's some leadership there. He's committed to Boston college next year. I and I think it, a lot of it is people on Twitter or online see these things like the articles that say 16 teams interviewed him and they go, wow, he must be amazing. They go, 16 teams interview a million people. Mm-hmm. So it's where's now he is ranked, I mean, as high as number seven. Thank you, Craig Button. Um, <laughs> but as low as number 28 by the Puck Authority and 18 by Will Scouch. So I, where's he at on your board? On my board, I, uh, I just looked right now. He's at 17. So it's, it's okay. kind of similar line of thinking as Will Scouch. Like not a guy that I, I think is going to be outside of the first round by any means, but a guy that I think probably should go in the middle of the first round. I, I like the player. Like you said, he's got size. He's got skating ability. He's got scoring touch. But I'm looking at him and I go, do I want him or Frank Nazar? And yeah. uh, you know, in, in a lot of boards where he's starting to shoot up, it seems like he's replacing Frank Nazar in that top 10 and Nazar is falling out. And if that happens, some team's going to be really happy getting Nazar in the middle of the first round. And then another team, while they're probably going to be happy with a guy like Cutter Goche, they might go, eh, we maybe missed out on some players. So 
it's going to be interesting because like I said, I don't think he's a bad player. It's not going to be a Tyler Boucher who was probably destined to be drafted in the 50, 60 range going top 10, but it's a guy that maybe you look at and you go, they drafted him because he's safe. They drafted him because he's projectable, but they, they certainly didn't look for the upside with that. Would, would this be a guy that you would say is comparable to like a Mike, Michael Rasmussen situation? Uh, no, because I think Michael Rasmussen probably was a guy a little bit more similar to Tyler Boucher where they drafted him for a very specific reason. And, uh, he hasn't quite turned out. He had a good second half, which was nice, but it's going to be interesting to see what what a guy like Rasmussen does, because that's probably a model for Tyler Boucher to follow. And unfortunately, and I think Cutter Gochi probably does have a little bit more offensive upside. He moves a little bit better. You're not as worried about his mobility and stuff. So he's got the ability. And if, if he does go to Boston college and play center, like he's saying he's going to next year, that's great. Like that's another asset to put into his book. I still look at a guy like Frank Nazar and I go, He's probably got a better chance to play center. He's got more pace to his game, more electricity to his game, and a higher upside. So why are we looking at Cutter over him? I would say if someone drafts Cutter over Frank, it would be for size alone. Yep. That's kind of where I was going with the Raz comment. Like, yeah, just they're just getting the bigger guys. You know, Ryan, I went back and looked, because people bring up the Michael Rasmussen. They dig at him because of where he was drafted, and it's not his fault where he was drafted. And to his... his positive effect he has developed very well this season i mean yeah. he's become a very good middle possibly middle six he's dependable. center winger role and i went back and looked at boards for that season and michael rasmussen and i thought man michael rasmussen had to have been mocked towards the end of the first round and he was actually like 12 or 13 on a lot really? of boards and as low as some of them maybe had him at 16 or 17 but again you take him at what was he taking eighth overall nine. or nine? Yeah, that's still, mm-hmm. I mean, way too high for what he was taken. And again, no fault of his own. You can fault Ken Holland, but I, I don't think, I think the situation is that if Cutter is taken above some of these other players we're talking about is because of his size and maybe because of, again, recency bias of how he did at the world juniors. So I think that's the answer there. So before we move on to the last section of the night, I just need to read a quick message from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big too. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests, and DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. What's up? It's Greg here from the Grindline podcast with a message from Manscaped. Growing out your playoff beard, let that thing loose up top, but our friends at Manscaped are here to help you avoid a jumbo Joe downstairs. The global leaders in below the waist grooming want to save your hockey pucks from a slap shot in crunch time this playoff season. Four million men worldwide trust Manscaped to prepare them for the Stanley Cup. Join them and go to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE. Shaving your ball starts with the perfect package for your package, the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 400K LED spotlight when you need a more precise shave. 
The Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is also included in this package, which is also waterproof, uses skin-safe technology, so you can keep the unnecessary roughness on the ice where it belongs. There is no more pinching. There is no more pulling. There's no more crying because you're ripping out your nose hairs. Shaves them clean off with no issues at all whatsoever. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls sticking to your legs from end to end. No one will be chirping you anymore. The Crop Reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with soothing aloe and witch hazel extracts that will give your balls a mousse. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag. Amazing bag, super soft, has just enough room for all the tools plus some extras. It's not too big. Uh, my problem is generally that the bags are too small and cannot fit everything, so I end up throwing extra stuff in a backpack. This bag is just the right size. The boys will be buzzing this Stanley Cup lineup from Manscaped. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com. Don't be a goon fighting your bush with the wrong trimmer. Choose the right tools for the job this playoff season with Manscaped. Now, that's what I got for the first round, and I didn't really do much research on the second round um, because of my limited availability with two very small, all-over-the-place children. But, Tony, we do have pick, it looks like, 40 and 52 in the second round. We have the Wings pick and the Caps pick. What are some names you're looking at? those middle the middle picks in the second round yeah specifically i think the first guy i want to bring up is ivan Maroshchenko, a guy that was in the top 10 for a lot of the year uh he's obviously been dealing with hodgkin's lymphoma he's just clear to get back to practice so it's great that his health is getting back on track and everything and he's a russian so there's also that factor so i think he's a guy that he has talent he's a really good skater powerful guy really really good shot one of the best shots in the draft in my opinion but there's obviously the health concerns with obviously dealing with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer this year. And there's the concern of, are we going to be able to get him over from Russia? There's already been concerns when he was supposed to play for the, the Chicago steel, if I'm not mistaken, there was visa issues. Uh, he almost didn't play at the world Area teens last year because of visa issues. What's going on there? there there's something going on. So there, he's a guy that might fall in the second round. If you can get him, because I haven't, I haven't ranked right at, right at the end of my first round, right at the start of my second round at 34. If you can get him with that second pick in that, in that second round, you have the ability to kind of go, hey, we can take the risk here because we already drafted, say, Frank Nazar, and then we drafted, I don't know, whoever at the other pick. And I think there's a ton of options. And I think this is the pick where you can start to consider, hey, maybe we do take a defense when that falls. Is Lane Hudson there? Are we really intrigued by that offensive skill set? Um, there's a guy like Matthias Havlid there who's, who had a great U18s. Um, those are kind of, kind of defensemen. Um, a guy like David Goyette, I think, is a really fun playmaking center that I don't know if he has the, the true top line upside, but if he's the guy that you're like, okay, we draft Nazar and Goyette with our first two picks, Goyette maybe ends up being the center if, if Nazar doesn't make, make the cut at center. And then you have your second line center with that dynamic presence of Nazar on the second line as well. I, I think there's a lot of options there. I think with, with the way Detroit's at, you can afford to take a risk. You can afford to take a guy that maybe Rucker McGordy falls. He's a guy that's been kind of all over the board on, on things. Like he's been at the top of my second round, but I've also seen him in the teens. This draft has got such a wide range after that it's first. so weird. After that first weird thing, like we, uh, first big grouping of, I think, the four guys at the top in, in right, Juracek, Slavkovsky, and Cooley, the rest of the group is just a wild range of guys. I think uh, the guy that I, I like using this year um, is Gleb Trikasov, the Russian player who's got Great all sorts name. of talent. I love this kid. He's one of my favorite players to watch, one of the most high-octane players in the draft, great playmaker, really good shot, like unreal shot. 
And you look at him and you go, okay, he's at eight on some boards and he's all the way down at 69 on other boards, which is nice. But also like, why (laughs) is that range so far? Why? Like he's a guy that I've had in my top 15 almost all year. And and he's a guy that I think deserves that because he has a talent for it. Where does he get drafted? The Russian factor factors in. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit of a smaller slider guy. That's going to factor in as well. It, there's so many different factors this year with everything going on in the world and everything. And, and as well, just this draft class being so incomplete, I think with their development, they've, this yeah. is the draft class that had their D minus two interrupted partway through the year. They had the summer that year completely taken away because they were all in quarantine. Essentially the following year, they had up and down seasons because we could play, we can't play, we can play, we can't play. What are you doing? Like the, the development wasn't there. And even when they were able to play, Oh, you can play, but you don't have practices in this league and you can play, but you're not allowed to do training camps. And the, there's so many different factors last year that played into things too. And this is the draft class in my opinion, that's been most affected by that. So I would love to be able to list you three or four names that I think will be there, but they could also all, all go in the top 15. And then we're talking about guys that I thought were going to go in the top 15 that are there at 45, 50. Yeah. I back to Marosh Nachenko. He is six foot one, one eighty five, and And like you said, all over the board. I mean, he's ranked as a high as number six by Bob McKenzie. He's ranked as low as, like you said, so 34 by Dauber, 31 by Elite Prospects, 28 by Scouch. I mean, it's he's all over. 15 by Craig Button, 19 by McKeens. So he, I, I think he's a guy that could. And like you said, the Russian factor, I think, is going to be really big in this draft yeah. where it's not that you don't want to take a player because they're Russian. It's that you don't want to take a player because you don't know if they'll be allowed to come over here. Exactly. That's the big thing. So he is one that could could fall to a 40 and, and you've already, if you lock up your guy in, in your first pick at number eight and, and you're, you think you're safe to take maybe a little bit of a risk at 40, maybe that's a risk you take at 40 because he's a big guy who looks like he can shoot. And if he can fix his issues with his, his visa and, and maybe his ability to actually come to North America and you can get him over here and you could throw him in a grand rapids just because you can, then I think that's, that's one risk that you kind of take. I mean, the notes on him uh, from EP elite skating shot and size makes him tough to manage for opposing teams. Elite skater hits like a truck and has an unbelievable shot. Um, opportunistic goal scorer around the net, but also terrific shooter that needs a little room to maneuver and release. So, I mean, that's all of that. And, then, and that's not even bad. That's not a bad thing. Oh, so, like- it's all he, positive. Yeah, he's a guy that I think what we we all talked about with Yaroslav Kovsky being at the end of the year. I think that's what a lot of people thought Moroshenko was going to be this year. And while he he put up a ton of points in the VHL and he looked good at different international events, the Lincoln stuff, uh, the U18s last year, where you, him and Yurov teamed up and, and had a great great year with with Mitchkov on their line as well. I think this is a guy that has all the tools, all the talent. Sometimes there was some lack in play this year, but. Like I said, he was dealing with Hodgkin's lymphoma that he didn't know he had until towards the end of the year. So if he was dealing with that all year and, yeah. and he was still able to put up huge points, still able to kind of work work his game, this guy could be a top 10 talent that you get at 40 or even later. Like you said, the Linka Gretzky, nine points in five games, and he was the captain of the team. In 2019-20 at the U16, he was the captain of the team and in uh, had 12 points in four games in international play. Like. That's it's crazy numbers. So I think he's a guy you kind of hope falls yeah. uh, down to that. Uh, and, and that's, I mean, you, you'd kind of maybe strike gold and then hope that it works out there. 
Um, what about late round sleepers? Do you have anyone that there's absolutely no hype around that you are super hyped about? Well, the guy I would have brought up is Adam Sakura, but there's been this love affest that he's gotten the last little bit and that people have started to put him even closer to the first round on some of their individual draft boards and stuff. Um, a guy I'll give you is Adam Su- or uh, not Adam Suzdalev. Damn it. I can't remember his first name right now. Uh, Alexander Suzdalev, a Russian or a Swedish Russian player who just has all sorts of skill, unreal talent. Uh, he's got some size. He's willing to kind of get into the, to, to the muck. He's a guy that I really like. A guy like Ty Nelson's another defenseman that's undersized, but he's got tons of skill. Uh, a guy that I, I think people had high in the first round to start the year. Um, he's almost 200 pounds despite being five foot ten. He's able to push guys around. Uh, had a really kind of limited offensive game this year despite putting up some decent points because North Bay really didn't want their defenseman doing a whole lot. So I think he's another guy. Um, like I said, Alexander Suzdalev, yeah, six foot two winger. Um, Devin Kaplan, I think is a guy that doesn't get enough love from the U S national team. Uh, he does so many things well, and he's a guy that can kind of play up and down the lineup whenever they needed a guy to jump up on the second line. He seemed to be that guy and he always put up good numbers there. He, he always drove play. His underlying numbers are really good. So I think Devin Kaplan's a guy that he's the guy that I think could get drafted third, fourth, fifth round, even that you could get a, a legit top 40 talent out of. Does he like your, your Swiss army knife style player? Like, yeah, he's, he does a lot of stuff good yeah he does a lot of things good and he can f- kind of fill any role in the line if you need him to be a goal scorer he can chip in as a goal scorer he's not an elite goal scorer by any means but if he's the goal scorer on the third line great if you, you need him to be that workhorse that zach hyman type player that tyler batuzzi type player he can fill in on the second line and do that stuff so like he does a lot of really good things i think he's probably the most underrated player on that national team team ryan ryan nods his head in agreement That's <laughs> because we have reached the point where ryan has no notes that's <laughs> that's what has happened. So the way I kind of want to end tonight, and I, I think we did this last time too, is I love to just Google draft eligible players and year and just scroll through the list and find names that I love. And I have a list of six great names in this draft. Um, and, and most you've probably never even heard of, but there are some that you should have heard of because they are actually ranked. So number one, Luca Del Belbelas. Luca Del Bell Belize. And what it is a, a tr- it is a double hyphenated last name. And I need that on a jersey. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun one. And he's actually, I mean, ranked decently high. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a player. I think he's probably a second round pick. Uh, a guy that I, I think probably has more upside than a guy like Owen Beck, who who he played with, but doesn't necessarily have the the assuredness of it. And I think like even I'm looking at my little blurb for him right now. I have him at 56 on my board and I'm like a member of the drafts, all name team. That's the very first thing I wrote about <laughs> it. Him. So best. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he certainly fits the bill. That is, that is what I go for. I'm like, I need a team of just names second on my all name team, uh, which also has a ranking uh, EP by everyone. That's actually good. Uh, Alex and Terry Kaskamaki. Yeah, uh, he's a, he's a fun little offensive player out of Finland. I don't know how translatable his game is, and I think that's the biggest thing. He put up a ton of points, but he's kind of that guy that you look at and you go, man, he's going to be awesome in Europe for like 10 years. He's like an auto Kivin Maki. A little bit bigger, but yeah, pretty similar kind of player. Yeah, he's ranked in the third round by most people. So a third rounder, and then if they work, they work. The Red Wings want to go. Now they had Martin Furk, which I think at the time, and Christopher N., which were the shortest names in the NHL. We're going to go shorter with Matthew Ng. Yes, yes. Matthew Ng, 
There's not a whole lot I've got about him because he's not really all that <laughs> notable, nothing. but he's uh he's a guy I've seen a couple of times this year, and I'm like, well, uh, he might get dropped in the mid, mid to late rounds, but he's not a guy I'm particularly super hyped about. I need the I again just need the jersey last <laughs> name of NG, and that would again set the record for shortest name in the NHL. My fourth on my list, just because I love the name Dennis Goodbog. Oh, Dennis Goodbog, uh, noted murderer of people at international events this year. What uh, happened? Yeah, he he crushed a dude, just absolutely took his head off. Uh, really likes head hits. Um, I think I've watched him four or five mm-hmm. times this year, and three or four times he's had a head hit. So he's a guy that some NHL team's going to fall in love with because you know they will. <laughs> like kicked out of game type head hits because I know how those... Uh, I think two of them, or... yeah, were kicked out of the game. Like so, Jacob uh... Truba style head hits? No, no, those are clean. Don't worry about it. <laughs> he's yeah, big. he did play for the U18 Swedish national team, which yeah. makes me think he's at least okay. No, yeah, he's okay. Like, and I think two of those games he was thrown out. <laughs> there are no, there is no ranking, no, no listed rankings for him. Yeah. Um, his father is Mikhail Good, whoever that is. Uh, his um, mother, Michelle Bog. <laughs> um, six foot, 287 pounds. So he's a bigger guy. Um, just dirty, just a dirty guy, yeah. right? So some NHL teams going to take him at like 45. All right. Let's see if you know this name for the all-name team. Richard Rokelet Baldazar. I have no idea who that is, <laughs> he but is, it's a fantastic <laughs> name. He is Italian. Um, it's, that's, that's the one that I, I mean, I loved it. And I want to look it up again because it, he comes, I think his, the town he is born in is also equally as hard to say as his name. Um, but that is, yeah, he, he's an Italian player. He was born in, oh God, Thepsisentiagorgigi, Romania. Oh, that is where he was born. A uh, lovely town. Great in the spring. If you want to go there, um, he played for Hungary in the world juniors for one game right now. He plays for the Homestead hammers in the J 20 region in Sweden. That is a, a great team name too. Um, but in 14 games has zero points, but he is draft eligible, Tony, and he makes my all name team. Uh, you know, I'm going to circle back on him and, and hopefully he sneaks onto the end of my board. <laughs> Good luck trying to figure out how to remember to spell his name. <laughs> and then my last one for my all name team is, and I blew this one up online because it's great. There's a lot of good, uh, good kind of jokes you can make. His name is Love Palm. And uh, <laughs> Love Palm, it makes my all name team is the latest entry. Because there are, I mean, just countless masturbation jokes you can make about his name. Uh, he really rubs off on you. It's a really good last name, to ha- or a really good full name to have in hockey. I also had a Zetterberg on my list at one time. There's an Adrian Zetterberg. And I yep. just thought for nostalgia purposes, we could draft another Zetterberg. Love Palm, you could just make a hand with a heart in it. And there's your t- there's the t-shirt. There's your t-shirt right there. Then make really good posters that you could hold up at games. When I think of love palm, it's not a heart in my hand. <laughs> hey, you know, it could it mean people would think it's all about love. Oh yeah, it's love a, yourself. This is a good. It's a good name, Tony. Did you have anyone else on your all names team? Uh, Ivan Ivan's the guy that I, I initially thought of when you brought up the all name team. Just the I fact I that saw he has- Ivan Ivan last season. No, I think he's still around. He's still a draft eligible. So technically he's an overager, but he counts. <laughs> um, another one is uh, Bryce McConnell Barker. I don't know why I like that name. It's just a lot of It rolls stuff. off your tongue. 
Yeah, it's it's a long name that you don't think is going to sound good coming out of your name or coming out of your mouth, but it really does. It does. Um, Casper Kulanomi. That's a good one. That's like a weird that one. one. Um, yeah, there's a there's a few, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing on the level of Love Palm. That's for sure. Love Palm. I'm just oh. I just want to see him succeed so badly, just for the broadcast alone, because you know you know whatever <laughs> team drafts him, the color commentator is just going to have jokes, I and it's going to be the best. I can't wait for him to score an unassisted goal. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big fan right now. Going through the list, Tyson Dick. Tyson oh, yeah. Dick. Reed, Reed Dick as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reed Dick, a goalie for Swift Current, I think. One of the bad teams in the WHL. There was a goalie I had on my list, and I think I took him off. I We were going through this with Sarah because um, she likes to, she's like, give me the best names in the draft. And I had to go through. I'm like, okay, I got to do my uh, draft name research. Um, but we're going to sign off for tonight. Tony, what do you got going on? Uh, my rankings will be out next week, so keep out watching out for me to tweet those out. There'll be a top 100 with uh, write-up on every single player in the top 100, and then probably about 25 honorable mentions of guys that probably don't deserve to go in the top 100, but I think they'll be fun players to at least pay attention to in the draft, so you keep on that. Uh, I've got a mailbag, so uh, go to my Twitter. I just tweeted it out today, and you can ask me some questions on the draft. It'll be on the Hockey News, where all my other stuff is uh, tweeted out there. And to follow me on Twitter, follow me at the Tony Ferrari. Um, real quick before we end from the Swedish five on Twitter at guacamole one, Matthew Savoy or Brad Lambert. Uh, Brad Lambert. Okay. Ryan, final thoughts. A uh, lot of smart people like Tony make me feel so much better to listen to because it makes my life easy as a fan first to be like, wow, there's a lot of good players out there that we'll probably never see in Detroit or in the NHL, but they're cool to talk about. And there's a lot of detail that you bring to it. And every time you're on here to talk to us, Tony, I appreciate it. It's it's fantastic. So yeah, we love having you on. You are you are by far our favorite analyst that we talk to. Um, I can't wait to tell Will Scouchy's garbage. <laughs> we we uh we actually got Will Scouch to give us quotes for our cards last year. So uh, he was nice to us, but you're no. you're more interactive and much nicer. No, Will's a friend of mine, so I, I I'm gonna trash talk him regardless. So uh, my final thoughts are gonna be: Let's go Bolts. Fuck you, Rangers. That's going to be my final wow. thoughts uh, because I want to see a Tampa Bay Abs final. That would be absolutely phenomenal. We'd like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, actually, you can also follow me on bringing, uh, online at Bringing the Wing and our podcast online at Grindline Pod. Then we like to give a shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet for hosting us and spreading our podcast around. Same with Vintage Detroit, which is the best place to get all of your Detroit jerseys. And any kind of apparel you want to get, it's close to authentic as you're going to get. And the people are absolutely amazing. If you use the promo code GRINDLINE at manscaped.com, you get 20% off your order plus free shipping. If you use the same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you get 12% off. And at Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off. Uh, if you go to redbubble.com and check out our merch shop right now, we are doing a t-shirt in support of Vladimir Konstantinov and trying to get him money or his extended care, which the state of Michigan is trying to take away from catastrophically injured people. We also have a change.org petition to try and reverse that decision. But if you go there and you buy a shirt, 100% of the proceeds from that design go directly are going to go directly to Vladimir Konstantinov's care. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Again, thank you, Tony, for coming on. It's always a blast having you on, and we learn a ton and then I get to put on my scout hat and give my mediocre scouting report so it makes me feel good inside. 
Um, they were all at least 80% right this time. So you're that's doing a great. good job. That's, that's a B minus. It's beautiful. I love it. It's like average in hey. high school now. So. You are the Marco Casper of, of draft oh, analysis. Ooh. Thank you. At least I'll make it somewhere. Um, <laughs> but that's going to do it for us tonight. So for Ryan, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town.